Hello and welcome to What the Buck. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse and a certified labor doula. This podcast is created to inform and empower every woman on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me here every Monday at 9 a.m. as we dive into all things prenatal, birth, postpartum, and so much more. So let's jump into today's Welcome back to another episode of What the Bump. We have Alyssa on the podcast to share her birth story. So thank you for being here. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> Starting off, tell me a little bit about yourself and your family. Okay. So um, I'm Alyssa, obviously. My husband and I um, met in 2011 and got married in 2015. We um, just had a baby girl in 2021. She's our first baby and she is our little miracle. <laughs> That's awesome. Where do you guys live? We live in central Pennsylvania. Okay. It is very rainy and gross today. <laughs> oh, <laughs> is it, does it get, I I'm like so bad with geography, like so bad. I can't even picture where that is on a map. And I know that makes me sound probably really stupid, but it's the <laughs> truth. I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm so smart in so many ways, but geography is not it for me. So is it like warm there or cold there right now? I'm assuming warm. It's warm. Yeah. Um, we're like kind of starting to enter fall. It's like, okay high seventies right now. So, okay. That's nice. nice. Yes. Very nice. I'm so excited for fall. I actually saw, um, Starbucks had pumpkin spice lattes yesterday. Oh, so it was very exciting. <laughs> it's that time. Um, okay. So you had a baby in 2021, a little girl, you said, were you guys trying for her or how did you get pregnant with her? Yeah. So we have been trying for a, a long time. I had some health issues that we were trying to figure out and, um, According to the doctors, it was like a hormonal imbalance type situation. They had misdiagnosed me with Lyme's disease and all kinds of stuff, trying to figure out why I was having weird symptoms. Um, and finally, my doctor just said, like, I think you just need to get pregnant. Like until your body gets pregnant, you're going to continue to have these things because your hormones are kind of all over the place. And his most profound advice to me was stop trying. And I was like, I don't really know what that means. And he said, you're just putting too much stress and too much thought into it. Um, and within six weeks we were pregnant. So it was wow. a big surprise and it was right in the middle of the pandemic. Um, we found out we were pregnant in the middle of May of 2020. So everything was shut down and we were just kind of like, this is new territory. Um, and it was a really exciting, um, time, but yeah, it has been something that we had been wanting and praying about and trying for, and we were very surprised. <laughs> yeah, I think that, you know, being pregnant during the pandemic, obviously there's a lot of hard things about that. You didn't get to see family a ton. I mean, some people didn't even get to have baby showers and stuff. Yeah. But the one thing I also was pregnant through the pandemic, the one thing that I kind of did like is like that first trimester when you feel like crap, you don't need an excuse to like sit at home all day. <laughs> It's true. And it also helped like we were, we didn't want to really announce right away until we were kind of in the safe zone, yeah. as they say, but, um, it kind of helped that because I'm a teacher and our school was shut down. And so I was teaching online. So I would literally like teach and nap in between and yes. throw up in between <laughs> and all the things and nobody knew. And like, if I had been in school, everyone would have known what was going on, but we were kind of able to keep the secret a little bit easier because nobody saw me. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. We did the same thing. We kept it a secret till 16 weeks and 
COVID made it very easy to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was the result of a, um, we, I missed my baby shower because my husband tested positive mm-hmm. and then we tried to have a re-shower and it ended up being a drive-by shower. <laughs> Oh yes. So. Those were very, very popular though. I, I will say, um, my sister-in-law did a drive-by shower and it was great because like, she didn't have to host a shower. She didn't have yeah. to see people too long. It was just like, Hey, come drop off your gifts to me and bye. So fun. I mean, we, really, nice. we had a fun time with it, but it was just like, I'll probably never have that with another kid. So it yeah, was just kind of right. cool. like someday I'll have a normal shower. <laughs> yes. You, you should get that free pass to like have another full-blown baby shower just because of that. <laughs> I think so too. So you mentioned you were, you know, napping a lot, throwing up in that first trimester. How was pregnancy for you? Um, after I would say probably from week nine to 12 or 13, were pretty rough. Um, with nausea, but after that, I really had an easy pregnancy. I can't really complain. I had nausea here and there, but I, everything was good until probably about week 30, 32, maybe, um, it was December and I actually fell at work on some ice and that was really scary. And I ended up in the hospital, just kind of checking everything out. And, um, that was a scary time for us but everything was fine. And then towards the end, I had like probably the normal like hip pain and just discomfort of everyone. But then I actually tested positive for COVID at 38 weeks. Oh, So that got scary. (laughs) And it was still, I mean, COVID was still new. So nobody really knew what effects would be. And we worried about would there be effects after birth? Would there be effects for labor and delivery? Would my husband be able to be there with me? Like all the things just because of the pandemic. So we worked through all that and it was, was a little bit scary. Um, but we actually lucked out because my husband had tested positive in November and I tested positive in January. Um, but because he was still in his like 90 day window, he didn't have to retest before I went in because they said he could possibly at that point, they said you could still test positive being within that window. So he got to be with me. Nobody else could come, but yeah. um, it was good. So when you actually had her, were you like, were you still positive for COVID or were you able to make it to, you know, 40 weeks or a little bit after that and then technically be yeah. considered negative? I got to make it. Um, I actually had her at 40 and five days. Okay. Um, so, but they never retested me. So I don't know if I was technically still positive at right. that time. So what, um, what the hospital is, what we did at um, the hospital I was at is if you had tested positive, but it had been over 14 days at that time, which is okay. probably what, you know, it was when yeah. you had it. Um, now it's like five days. How yeah, that happens. No. <laughs> I don't know. So but anyways, um, it was 14 days. So if you had tested positive and then let's say you went into labor on day 15 from that positive test, when you came in, you would be considered negative and not retested, which is probably sounds gotcha. like maybe what happened with you. Yeah, probably. Yeah. It's, it's very confusing though. I remember like I, every week, you know, if I had like two days off in a row, I'd be like, okay, so what's, what, what's happening now? Because it was this and then this, and then this, and you're testing and you're not, and you're positive. It's so confusing. (laughs) It still is like, I'm like, I don't even know what's going on anymore. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I do think my memory, if it serves me, I do think they still tested the baby after she was born, but she was negative. When you got COVID, did you get like super sick while being pregnant or did you stay a little bit more mild? 
Um, it was like having the flu for me. Okay. So, and I was like kind of torn between what is COVID and what is I'm 38 weeks pregnant. Yes. I just like stayed in bed. I was like achy. I had a little fever, but it wasn't like super high. And I just was tired. I probably slept for like 11 days. It was crazy. I like did not leave my bed. <laughs> oh, that, that is so hard. You, you know, pregnancy on top of that. Um, and COVID it's awful. It's, it really is. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I had like, at that point I was going to the doctors every two weeks. Oh, maybe even every, every week I forget. Um, but they, I had called and had to tell them like I had tested positive for COVID and they're like, well, you're kind of too far along to not see you for your appointment. But it was like, it was kind of traumatic the more I think about it, but they were like so cautious at that point that I like, they snuck me in the back entrance of the doctor's office up to the, like the fire escape. They're like in full on hazmat suits. And I was just like terrified. And that was like the most traumatic thing. I like went into the doctor's office. There was like the doctor and then a nurse was like holding like the biohazard bags and everything the doctor touched, they like threw in this bag. And I'm like, I will never, I don't know, like I'll never have a pregnancy like this again. Yes. It was just, it was just one for the books. It is, you know, it's, it's, it definitely makes it memorable. It'll be <laughs> something our kids are reading about in history books one day, what we've yep. been through with this pandemic. It's that was one of the big insane. things I journaled my whole pregnancy yeah. because I was like, I will, probably never go through some of these things ever again. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So leading up to your birth, what were you um, envisioning? What were you hoping for as far as, um, you know, I'm assuming hospital birth, just because you mentioned your OB and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, are there certain things that you were preferring? Yeah. So I, ideally I had looked into like midwifery and everything like that. Um, and actually went with my OB, which had midwives on as well. So I kind of saw both. There was like, I think seven doctors and midwives, um, in the practice and you kind of see a different one each visit. Um, and so went through that. I was kind of doing like, I don't know, like more hands-off approach, I would say. Um, and I had envisioned this beautiful, like natural hospital birth, if you okay. could kind of envision that. Um, and it went nothing like that, but that was kind of my plan. Okay. Um, and I had a plan, but nothing went <laughs> according to plan. Okay. Did you do like, um, any childbirth education or what did you kind of use to help prepare you for, or even, you know, what did you use to even educate yourself on what you wanted? Yeah. So I looked into, um, like hypnobirthing okay. and, um, I did like some classes online actually from an Instagram, um, girl that I follow. She had some classes that I did just on my own. And then my husband and I did a like breastfeeding lactation class together. Okay. Um, but because of COVID our hospital wasn't offering any like birthing classes or anything like that. Um, which I had wanted to do, um, but they weren't doing that. So we actually did our breastfeeding class with a con lactation consultant on zoom. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, so many things had to pivot and go mm -hmm. virtual. So it definitely makes it a little bit harder, but, um, 
it's kind of nice at the same time because you can do it at your own pace. You can do it from the comfort of your yeah. house. Even now, so many of those things like stuck. I feel like they still do in-person childbirth education, but so much of it after COVID, they were like, okay, this actually works really well virtually. They kind of kept it that way. Um, and I do think, you know, there are obviously pros and cons to both, but I'm glad that you were still able to find, you know, some resources. Yeah. Okay. So you said your labor went nothing like the things that you preferred. So what happened? How did you go into labor? What was your labor like? Okay. So, um, at 40 weeks, I went in for my just regular checkup and there was kind of no progress. I wasn't dilated at all. They did check me. Um, and I had been having like padromal labor. I had contractions for like probably three weeks beforehand. And it would just like come and go. I would track them on my phone. And it was like, I, I forget what app I use, but some of them would say like, pack your bags, go to the hospital. And then everything would stop. And it was like, they would go from two minutes apart to nine minutes apart and then nothing for hours. And it kind of got frustrating. I would just like continue bouncing on my ball and <laughs> try to do all the things. Um, and then, so I was not dilated at all. Um, at my 40 week, they had wanted to bring me in I think I was like 40 and three days or something, um, for a non-stress test. Um, so I went in and did that. Everything was fine. I was still having contractions, but no progress was being made. So at that point, um, the OB that I was going under didn't want to let me go past 41 weeks. That was kind of their cutoff. And I was like, I really don't want to be induced, but if you have to put a date on the calendar, you can do that. I may or may not show up. <laughs> so Good for you. They, yeah. So they had planned for an induction on my 41 day, um, date and, or 41 weeks, sorry. Um, and so I had that on the calendar. That was a Sunday Friday. They had scheduled me for another non-stress test. So I went in, um, and I was like hooked up to everything doing the test. And the, the nurse came in and she was like, are you feeling these contractions? And I'm like, yeah, she was like, they're like 30 seconds to a minute apart. And I was like, well, they don't like hurt. Like I can feel them, but it feels like what I've been feeling for weeks. And she was like, okay, well, we'll finish everything. And then I'll have the doctor, um, then check you. So at that point, the doctor checked me and she's like, you're four centimeters. You could go to the hospital now and they'll admit you. Um, do you want me to do a membrane sweep while you're here? And at that point I was like, sure, just get this baby. I, like, I just want this baby out and I don't want to be induced. Mm -hmm. So if this will help, let's do it. So she did a membrane sweep at that appointment. She sent me home and she said, go home, eat something, pack your bags, head to the hospital. They'll admit you. If I could go back, I would change a lot of things, but I listened to what she said. We went home, we got everything ready. My husband took a shower. <laughs> um, and I was definitely having contractions. They were a little uncomfortable, but I could still talk and everything that I had heard, like I could have stayed at my house for a long time, um, but I didn't. So we went in by the time I got triaged and everything. Um, it was probably like seven, seven thirty at night. And um, I'm trying to think the timeline is like very blurry. To yes, me. Totally normal. <laughs> but, um, I got, they checked me again. I was like at five centimeters at that point and things were definitely starting to pick up. Um, I really wanted to labor in the pool. Um, but I was group B 
positive. So I had to be hooked up. They wanted to get the antibiotics in and all of that. They really wanted two rounds in. Um, but they, so they hooked me up and then they were like, oh, well you're hooked up. So now you can't go in the birthing pool. And I was frustrated with that, <laughs> whatever. So um, I tried to like walk around. I was on the ball there doing what I could, what I knew to do. Um, and just really wanted like really calm. I had my worship music playing. I had my diffusers going like just quiet atmosphere. And the nurses were great. There was just a lot of nurses because we came in at the time change. So I just felt like we just kept meeting new nurses like yeah. for two hours. Um, and the one nurse, she came in, I was like, I have my birth plan. And she like, just laughed at me. And she was like, you could just get rid of that. And I was You're like, lying to okay. me. No, I'm being dead serious. That is literally awful. I am so appalled that somebody actually said that to you. That's like, yeah. so she basically said, I actually don't give a crap what you want. That's what I just heard mm-hmm. that you said. Yes. That said, that's like, what I heard also. She literally, like my husband, we were both You like, should have okay. said, okay, I want a new nurse then. If you don't want to read this, I don't want you taking care of me. That's, yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. So, and I, I said, well, like why? And she was like, well, you can make a plan, but we never end up sticking to a plan. I was like, okay. So anyway, I did have another nurse that came in later and I had told her that that happened. She's like, well, I would like to read over your plan and see what we can do. And she was a lot kinder, (laughs) but, um, so that was a little bit crazy. Um, they then hooked me up to the monitors. Everything was good. Um, and then there was a point like I said, everything's kind of crazy blurry in my head, but there was a point that there was like a bunch of nurses that rushed in and they were like, we lost the baby's heart rate on the monitor. Like we need to adjust you or whatever. So we got that figured out. They were like repositioning me At that point. I was like, just in the bed. Um, again, I just wish I would have like stayed up and stayed more active. I feel like I kind of stalled things laying down, <laughs> but anyway, Um, if I could go back and do it again, (laughs) maybe someday. Um, but so we kind of just continued, it was like a really slow progress. And then they came in and my contractions kind of just completely stopped. And she was like, well, we have some options. You're already five centimeters. We don't really want to let you go home. You're scheduled for your induction in two days. Why don't we start like a low dose of Pitocin, which I've heard horror stories of Pitocin. It was like, that was the one word I didn't want to hear. But again, in that state, I was like, whatever, I'm here. I'm not going home without a baby. (laughs) Like, let's just. Was your water intact at this point? At that point, it was, yes. So they started Pitocin as like a two or whatever, like the lowest dose. And definitely like contractions started to pick up again. It wasn't unbearable. Um, And then things progressed really fast. They. Up to, I think I got up to like a six or an eight with the Pitocin level. And, um, I started just like throwing up mm-hmm. profusely. It was really intense, really fast. Um, and so at that point they came in and they're like, what do you want to do? And do you want an epidural? Which I did not want an epidural, but I said, yes. So they, they said, well, it takes like 45 minutes to an hour to get the anesthesiologist up and everything. So they finally did. He came up put the epidural in. They said like, we'll give it 15 to 20 minutes, come back in, see how you're feeling, check you if you want us to, and kind of see where we're at. So they came back in and she was like, how are you feeling? And I said, 
the same as I did before. Like epidural did nothing. Mm -hmm. So they were like, well, we'll try to like put some more back in. Like they gave me the little pump thing and I was feeling nothing. It wasn't taking at all. Um, and then like just my left side started to go numb, but not my right side. So they tried to like turn me over onto my right side. They said like to let it kind of pull down. Um, and when they did that, everything went off the monitors again with the baby. So they came in they're like, we can't have you laying on your right side because we're losing the heart rate and everything. So then they put me on the other side. It was a hot mess. So they asked me if I wanted to try to have my epidural redone, which I did because I was like, well, I'm still feeling everything. So fix this. Right. <laughs> um, so they got the anesthesiologist back up. He took that one out. He tried to put in another one. Um, and it did work for about an hour to an hour and a half. And then all my feeling came back again, right when it was time for me to start pushing, by the way. <laughs> so the doctor came in, checked me slightly after it was probably like one or two o'clock in the morning at this point. Um, and she said like my bag was bulging. Like, did I want her to break my water? Um, so I said, like, that's fine. If it will speed things up, sure, go ahead. So she did. Um, and there was meconium in my water. So they kind of briefed me on what all that meant and NICU team and all that being on standby, which was kind of terrifying for me. Cause that was one thing I feel like I wasn't like, I had no knowledge of going into it. That was just one thing I never researched or heard about. Yeah. So they're like giving me all this information at this point, I'm still like throwing up profusely and it was crazy. Um, so when she had checked me, I was out of 10. She was like, it's time to start pushing again. There's just things I wish I would have known now that I know now that I wish I would have known then that being out of 10 doesn't necessarily mean it's time to push. And for but just we a real quick side note, anybody who doesn't know, um, meconium is just when baby has that first bowel movement inside. So your water breaks and it has usually like a earthy, deep green color, sometimes even like a brownish yellowish. Um, and like Alyssa mentioned, you have the NICU team there at delivery, just in case baby needs, you know, um, any suction, if they like aspirate any of that meconium, but normally even with meconium, they do just fine. Um, the NICU team most of the time just stands there. And then when baby comes out and cries and looks good, they walk right back out the door. But anyways, keep on nice going to here too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So she had me start pushing. Um, it was probably about four o'clock in the morning when I started pushing, I pushed for what felt like forever. Um, baby was crowning. My husband was even saying like, I can see her. She's right there. Uh, every time I push, she kind of went back inside, which can be, that's like what I hear is normal, but it was pretty like significant. Um, I tried pushing, laying down, tried pushing on all fours. They've had me on my side. They like, I just feel like I was in all kinds of different yeah. positions um, and wasn't really making any progress. I pushed for two hours. Um, and was getting nowhere, literally nowhere. Um, so at that point, the doctor kind of gave me two options. She said we could continue pushing for another hour and kind of reevaluate where we're at, or I could choose right then and there to go with the C-section. And I chose the C-section. Um, wow. 
Did she because offer, she was crowning, like you could see her head. Yeah, she was, you could see her head, but she, uh, I forgot, sorry. Um, they had figured out that she was sunny side up OP, and yep. was kind of stuck on my pelvic bone. They had brought the um, radiologist in. They did an ultrasound and could kind of see her there. So she tried to manually turn her, mm-hmm. do not recommend. <laughs> um, and we were not successful. Okay. So, and she didn't think, um, like a vacuum or anything like that. They never have... said anything. They never mentioned vacuum or anything like that. Um, she had, which again, described... like, isn't a good option, but it might've been something that, you know, might've been a little bit more less invasive, I guess, than a entire surgery. But, you know, I have no idea, yeah. obviously the situation I was not there. I'm by no means giving you medical advice or saying your provider was wrong. I'm just saying, usually yeah. that's also like, Hey, you can keep pushing. We can try a vacuum or a C-section. So I just didn't know if that was brought up at all. Yeah, no, I don't ever remember her mentioning, um, a vacuum at all okay. or yeah, any kind of, I don't know what the like forceps or whatever, they never mentioned anything like that. Yeah. Um, but at this point, and she did explain, she was like, this is not an emergency C-section. Like you're still, everything's fine. The baby's heart rate was good. Um, everything was fine. She just kind of gave me that option. And at that point I felt like I had literally nothing left in me because I was still throwing up a lot and I had tried and just was making no progress. So anyway, we opted for the C-section. Um, they explained that since I had the epidural in, even though it wasn't successful, they could put the anesthesia through my epidural port instead of doing the spinal that they would normally do. Um, which that kind of terrified me. And I let them know, like, if my epidural didn't work, is this going to work? Um, and they reassured me that it would, and it did. Um, but that was probably the most scary part for me at that point. Um, so they prepped me, took me into the OR. Um, and I remember the anesthesiologist was like sitting over my head, holding my face, and I just kept like saying, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And he was holding me, he's like, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. And just kind of reassuring me, but I was so scared that I was going to feel them doing mm-hmm. all this. And they actually, this is, seems crazy to me. Maybe this is normal, but they put morphine and fentanyl through my epidural port. And I was like, I went into like convulsions and they had to like strap me down, like my arms down. And it was just really scary at that point. Um, pretty traumatic and, um, everything turned out fine, but it was just like, it was just really scary in the moment. My husband got to come in once they had me prepped and everything. They did offer me, um, a clear curtain, but I was so freaked out at that point that I was like, I don't want to see what's happening. Um, so the doctor was really sweet. She kind of talked me through everything that they were doing during the C-section, which I was thankful for. Um, and, I was glad I could be awake for it because I know that that's not always the case. Um, but I heard the doctor finally say, congratulations, it's a girl. And then I heard nothing. Mm. And I was freaking out because I'm, I watched a lot of movies. You're supposed to hear a baby cry. Um, and I heard nothing and it was silent in the room and I started freaking out. And I told my husband, like, what's going on? Like, look and see what's going on. And he looked over and he said, it's okay. She's okay. I see her. And he's crying. And like, I don't hear anything. And it felt like three hours had passed by. It was probably five seconds yeah. um, until I heard her cry. And then I was like, okay. Whew. And 
I really wanted, I had asked for delayed cord clamping. I don't truly know if that happened, um, but I did have skin to skin. Oh, good. Like in the operating room, which I was thankful for. Um, so that was good. But I, I, like I said, with time and how blurry everything is to me, I don't know if they follow that or not. My husband did go over and he was able to cut her cord. I just don't know the timeline there. Um, and he was with, he stayed with her while they like finished, um, stitching me up. They had taken her over to the room and was weighing her and doing all that while they were finishing with me. So by the time I got in, like I said, we did have skin to skin in the OR. By the time I got in to the recovery and got to like hold her really and enjoy that like golden hour as I feel like I feel like it had already been like a long time hey you um, still get the even if it's a delayed golden hour of skin to skin it's still a golden hour so don't yeah yeah my husband was having skin to skin with oh, her good 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 um when I got into the room so that was I was Perfect. thankful for that um and then when I got her on she latched right away we That's did amazing. breastfeeding and I was really thankful um and it just felt like everything was kind of melting down at that point I was very emotional um and the nurse came in and I don't remember if this was in the OR or in the recovery room but I the one nurse she was older she came around and she was like crying and I was like why are you crying like this is not a good thing you need to hold it together um but she said she's like I have to be honest with you I've been a labor and delivery nurse for 32 years and I have never seen a baby with the cord wrapped that tight around her neck that came out alive. Oh. And at that point, I just lost it. Oh. And I still lose it every time. Um, it was just so, like, crazy to me. So, anyway, they then explained when the doctor came back in to check on me in recovery, she explained that when I was pushing, her cord was getting tighter and tighter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, in the long run, yes, I made the right decision but it was so crazy. Oh my! And we're just so thankful. She was perfectly healthy. She is, she was eight pounds, nine ounces. Um, Everly joy is her name. We prayed that she would bring everlasting joy to our house. And she sure has. It's Everly joy. Everly joy. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And now she's 18 months old. She's super smart running around everywhere. And it's just been, it's been crazy, but the whole process, I really had to work through Yeah. like, my postpartum healing and everything was a lot more mental for me. Yeah. I mean, physical too. I had a C-section, Yeah, but, um, it was a lot more mental for me than it was physical. You know, it's crazy as you're telling the story, you're like, there's so much things I wish I would have done different, but now hearing the end of it, it sounds like you did what you needed to do. And, you know, I, I, I hope that you have, you know, mentally been able to process that and came to peace with the fact that, I really do feel like after hearing this all, like you made the decisions that you needed to make and everything happened the way it honestly needed to. And it happened for a reason in the way that you, that it needed to, um, because, you know, there are just things that we don't know. And I'm not saying that, you know, things couldn't have been done differently and maybe changed the outcome, but in the end, like, we don't know that. So you have to rest in peace in the fact that like, she had that nuchal and, you know, mm-hmm. that was definitely probably inhibiting her from coming down. Like you said, she was crowning and go and going back in pretty significantly. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I really think that you can find so much peace in the fact that 
every decision that you made, everything that you feel like maybe like quote unquote went wrong in the moment was actually leading you to exactly what, where you needed to be and what needed to happen truthfully for her best Absolutely. You know, safety. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. We were in the hospital then for almost five days. She had jaundice really okay. bad, um, which they said could actually have been because of the cord. And I didn't really know like what causes the bilirubin and stuff. So they were really nice and explained all of that but they said because the cord was so tight it was probably causing that those cells to go to that area which was then causing her levels so she never had to go under the light she was always like right on the cusp um but we had to stay and constantly I was like how many times are you gonna prick her little foot yeah. <laughs> so that was a little bit rough but we I actually looking back on it we're thankful because like because of COVID and because of the pandemic we couldn't have visitors in the hospital it was just the three of us for four days. And then you and get like so nurses nice. help with like, especially a C-section, you get their help, like moving and lifting yes. and sitting. You don't have to cook or clean. That's also yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah. I just wasn't prepared. Like I, I mean, obviously I was never anticipating having a C-section. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know like what that recovery was going to be like. And it was really tough. And, um, if I had to do it again, I probably would have forced myself to get up sooner than I did. I feel like I laid too long and then it hurt worse to stand and walk and things. I wish I would have been more active. Um, but, um, yeah, so that was crazy. We were at the hospital then she was born Saturday morning at seven o'clock in the morning. And then we went home like Tuesday afternoon. Okay. So, um, yeah, that was crazy. And then there was a big snowstorm because we're in PA and it was the following week then I started having like really bad vision and really mm. bad headaches and all this stuff. And I didn't know what was going on. And I called the on-call doctor and they started to explain to me that um, preeclampsia is a thing, which I did not have, but there's also post-eclampsia. And I didn't know about that. And I developed really scary high blood pressure after the fact. And like I said, we were in this snowstorm and it was getting scary. And because of COVID, it was like a nightmare, but they had explained to me, like, you really need to go to the ER. It was on a weekend. You really need to go to the ER, but are you breastfeeding? And I said, yeah, I'm breastfeeding. And she was like, here's the bad news. Your baby can't come with you. And I was like, what do you mean? Your baby, my baby can't come with me. Like, how is she going to eat? I'm not pumping. Like, what do I do? And this when I say it out loud, sounds extremely insane, but they had actually told me like, if you come to the hospital, they'll put you on a 24 hour magnesium drip. We will discharge you every three hours to feed your baby in the parking lot. I was like, Never heard of that, but in a snowstorm. <laughs> so anyway, I actually did not go to the ER. <laughs> she like talked me through like, what are my options? And the nurse, I was really thankful for her or the doctor. Um, she said, I want you to go and get like whatever kind of blood pressure cuff. And I had a nurse friend that would come and do my readings for me. And I had to like track them. And she actually just called me in a prescription for labetalol. And I started it and without actually being seen, which I think is crazy, but that is very um, crazy. They didn't make you do the magnesium. Yeah, nothing. So anyway, I did the the labetalol and I had probably do it for like three weeks. And then I was able to wean myself off and it was totally fine. Once the snowstorm passed, I did that following, like, cause that was over the weekend. And then the following, I think Tuesday I went in and then I went in like regularly for checks at the office. 
Um, but yeah, that was my crazy, like after the fact, I just didn't know that that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, it is, um, obviously more rare. Like if you have preeclampsia, you know, during pregnancy, it's more likely that you would see that spike up after two. Um, but most of the time it is a pregnancy thing, but it can definitely happen postpartum. Um, but it doesn't make it easy. You know, like you mentioned your postpartum, yeah. you had a C-section you're processing not only just postpartum emotions and this hormone drop off you have, but also processing your birth, which was had some parts of it that were really, really hard for you. Um, so this is like the cherry on top, but you know what it, it, yeah, these are the things with birth, like, you know, it's why education is so important surrounding birth and postpartum. And it's why support is so important. I hate the United Mm -hmm. States, um, you know, postpartum support. It's non-existent. A six week checkup that lasts 10 minutes is nothing. We don't have postpartum support period. There's none that's not postpartum support. Uh, so when they say, you know, you need a village, it's so true, especially after a C-section and then now having, you know, um, the high blood pressures, you really do, you need support. That's the most important Mm -hmm. thing is just to have a tribe of people to help you to even just like, let you get a nap or make you some food, all those things. It's so important. Yeah. I'm so thankful for, I had like three of my best friends came and cleaned my house and scrubbed my floors and they were just so helpful. Like they let me hold my baby while they did the work. And it was just so nice. We had like probably three or four weeks of constant meals showing up at our house between my coworkers and our church family and Mm. our actual family. It was, yeah, it was, it was great. It does take a village. It it definitely does. So after, you know, you were able to wean off your, your medications and everything and kind of got over that big hump postpartum, how, I mean, I know you're 18 months out. Um, but how, how are you feeling now? Great. Yeah. Everything healed really well. Even I would say between like six to 10 weeks after, um, I felt back to my quote normal self, um, minus all of the crazy symptoms that I had had before getting pregnant. So that was really nice. I was like, Oh, this is bringing Alyssa back to being Alyssa. So yeah, it's the whole situation was crazy, but, um, I just wish I would have had more like postpartum knowledge, I guess. Mm -hmm going into it. And now I kind of know, and it helps me too. Like I have a lot of friends having babies right now and I can kind of meet their needs better because I understand it better. (laughs) They don't want me to come over and hold their baby. Like that's not why (laughs) it's not what they need right now. (laughs) They need me to come scrub their floors while they hold their baby. Yeah. It's also like, I think that there's a huge misconception on like what's normal and what's not postpartum. Um, Mm -hmm. because I had a client who I told her, you know, baby blues is so normal. I used to just sit there. And for some reason, every night at like 8 PM, I would just start crying and I wasn't sad. I wasn't, you know, it was no emotion attached to it. I just started crying and I, you just have to let yourself cry and feel those waves of emotion. Um, but I knew it was just the baby blues. It wasn't postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. It was just, I just had this urge to cry and she didn't know that that was a normal thing. And she's like hearing you even say like that, that is normal. And I just allowing yourself to like cry. It's those little things, even when it comes to like baby, like people think that, you know, some people have the misconception that like a newborn crying means that they like really do need something. And yes, sometimes it does, but guess what? Sometimes they just cry to cry. They just cry. <laughs> they just cry. Yeah. And you just have to do the things, you know, see if they need change, if they need fed, if they mm-hmm. want to be held or position changed or picked up or burped or whatever it is. But after that, like sometimes you just have to let them cry. And um, yeah. 
even I've had, you know, people who are like, really? And I'm like, yeah, like it's, there's so much, it's such a learning curve. And that's why every single person they're like, oh, with my second baby, I was so much more chill. I didn't care about anything. You know, it's the first ones really handed to us. I won't lie. But now that you mentioned that, so I, I didn't, don't feel like I struggled with postpartum depression. I did struggle with postpartum anxiety, mm-hmm. which I didn't know about either. Um, but there was one day my husband, he was like, I just want to, let's go out to dinner. Like we haven't been out of the house. And I was probably like nine or 10 weeks postpartum at this point. And we pulled into red Robin parking lot and the baby started crying and I melted down. I'm like, I can't get out of this car. I can't go in public. Like what if she starts crying? And so we got takeout and we ate in red Robin parking lot in the car. And I was just like, what am I going to do? And I, I struggled with the anxiety part of it, just kind of taking her. And I think it was heightened with the pandemic, but just taking her out anywhere, like people are going to look at me if she makes a noise and what if she gets hurt and what if somebody touches her and like all these things, all these thoughts like went crazy in my mind. And then I'm like at home watching her like sleep, like, are you breathing? Are you okay? Are you too cold? Are you too hot? Like those kind of thoughts filled my head for quite some time. And I really had to work through that. And I even still, I mean, she's 18 months old. She's currently sick. And this weekend I'm like, I have all these, like, I don't know, her getting sick triggers me. Yeah. I just get so much anxiety behind it. And part of that I think is normal. I'm not saying that you need to like just suffer and like be like, oh, this anxiety is just something I have to live with. That's not necessarily true. But you know, a lot of that stuff is normal. There are babies. So of course right. you're going to be like, are you breathing? Are you warm? Are you cold? Especially yeah. when they're sick. That's like so triggering. We all got COVID and Adeline got it also last month and it was awful. I was so worried about her. I like just wanted yeah. to sleep holding her 24 seven because I was so afraid like something bad was going to happen to her. Yeah. Yeah. It it is. It is really hard. There's just, there's so much emotions that come with it. And, you know, the baby blues, the anxiety, sometimes even postpartum depression. It's yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's (laughs) a lot. That's why, you know, we're superheroes. I swear. (laughs) All right, Alyssa. Well, thank you so much for just sharing your beautiful birth story. Truly. It's a beautiful birth story. I know that it's a lot. And I know it took you probably a very long time to process, but it is an amazing story. And I'm really thankful that you came and shared it with us. Um, if you had one last piece of advice, what would it be? Um, have a plan, but don't be afraid if it doesn't go according to plan. Okay. That's probably my biggest. Yeah. Think, know what you want and fight for what you want. Yeah. Especially if you're having a hospital birth, um, fight for, you have decisions and you get to make them. Don't let other people make them for you. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Cause it's, you plan, you educate, you, you know, envision, but of course you do have to be flexible to an extent. You don't need to throw away your birth plan because the nurse doesn't want to read it, yeah, exactly. but you know, if things come up, you do need to adapt in a lot of ways because those babies are in control. So that's amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing your thank birth you. story. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of What The Bump. Make sure to follow us over on Instagram at WhatTheBumpCLT. Check out our website, WhatTheBumpCLT.com. Make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you are listening on. And tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. for a new episode. Remember that this podcast is for educational purposes only. I will see you next week in the next episode.